This is the B&J Podcast. Parents, don't let your children listen to this fucking filth. Fucking filth. Fucking filth. Welcome to the B&J Podcast, The Return. I am Jay. And that's B. Um, who's being recalcitrant right now? Um, who's drinking his coffee right now? We, ju- we literally just did the intro, and then the mic wasn't working, so we have to pretend like nothing's wrong, which I'm getting really good at in my life, so there's that. <laughs> Hooray illusions. So anyhow, um, it's been about eight months uh, since we did one of these. This is episode number 80. Trump is still president. Amazingly enough. Uh, the world still exists, as it were. Um, I mean, I mean for, not, for this week. I mean, not if you're in Puerto Rico or in Santa, some neighborhoods of Santa Rosa or, you know, Guadalajara, no, like Antigua or, or one, one of those tiny islands over there. Any of the places that were hit by like a six plus Mexican earthquake. Yeah, just... But for this for us privileged folks, the world is still existing. I mean, by a hair. I'm not necessarily the world, but I'm not sure that you know human beings continuing to be on it can really be counted as a plus anymore. No, no. Um, so. If there was a button to wipe out, like, 90% of people, just, like, a random 90% of the people on this planet to try and save the world, I fucking would push it in about a second. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds about right. Um, let's see. As I disconnect things. Um, so we've been gone for eight months. Um... I've been got a new job in that in that uh, in in the interim. I left that like awful, a new old job though, right? Yeah, I left that awful awful Korean place that I was working for for uh, literally pebbles. Um, yeah, it was shit pay, and I was like juggling bills the hold, whole time I was on. working there. You said literally pebbles. Yeah, literally pebbles. They gave me pebbles. Really. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm so angry. <laughs> I was I was really hopeful that they were it was like some like weird underground Korean like jewel economy. They were like smug like they were like smuggling precious gems out of North Korea and paying you in them. Yeah, not no, but um so um yeah, so I called my well, I emailed my old boss saying, "Oh, can I use you as a reference? I'm looking for another job." And then the day after my birthday, she emailed me saying, oh, are you still looking? Why don't you come back to Hulu? And here I am. And here we are where we're recording this. But Jimmy will not get me a job at Hulu. I have no connections. You have all the connections. You work here. I work here, yeah. But, you know, you find that you know where the job openings are. And so pick yeah, one. Yeah, go, go ahead and look at the, the Hulu job openings. Listeners. I'm actually I'm actually hiring pretty soon. Yeah. So if you want to work under me, 
I have to, oh, that reminds me, I have to take sexual harassment training in a, in a month or so, and that's, like, so depressing. It's, so, uh, I think we have to talk for a minute about sexual harassment, because of... Because of who? Because of just, well, Harvey Weinstein, first of all, but because of just, like, everything in general. And... I don't know. It's just like it just seems so weird that yeah that like you have to ask some of these some of these questions like like how did you know like how did this happen? How did how did we get to the point where, you know, a dude thought it was totally fine to you know basically like cage women to the point where you know he, he raped Asia Argento. Yeah. And a, and Rose McGowan. Yeah. And countless others. Um I was I was talking with my uh, with uh, one of my employees about that, and like were you, were you like like hey? Well, I was ma- <laughs> I was masturbating in front of him. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like it's I not don't... sexual. It's just it's just a habit. It's a nervous habit. I'm an addict. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> Sex addiction is such bullshit. It's such bullshit. Um. No, and so I'm telling, I was telling him, I don't, like, I don't ha- I've never had a lot of power, but I've had some power. Like, I've been manager before and all of that. Mm-hmm. And no, never once in my head did it seem okay for me to use that to get sex. No. Maybe if I had a lot of it, I... I I don't think so. I mean, honestly, like, I don't think so. Because there is, like... The thing is, like, there is something kind of hot about power imbalance relationships and office relationships, which are kind of taboo. But when you get into the, like, you know, forcing someone to do something as part of, you know, like, for in exchange for professional advancement or, you know, whatever, that just, like, kind of kills any of the hotness for me. Like... Yeah, so, I don't know how it got to that point, especially with uh, Harvey Weinstein. Well, I know. It's totally, no, like, so here's the thing. So so much complicity involved in that. Yeah, but, like, but here's here's what's interesting about it, because I've been been listening to the uh, audiobook of uh, Down and Dirty Pictures, which is sort of like the the 90s version of Peter Biskin's Easy Rider's Raging Bulls, mm-hmm. uh, mostly focused on on Miramax. And I had never read it up to this point because I didn't really give that much of a shit about that story, but I love Easy Rider's Raging Bulls, so I decided this week, oh, I'll go ahead and check it. And, like, literally every fucking story in there is just, like, Harvey Weinstein being abusive. Mm-hmm. So... The fact that everyone's like, I'm shocked, shocked that this happens. Like, the only reason that you could possibly be shocked that this that this was happening is because you think that it's totally fine for a dude to, like, assault other people or, you know, like, belittle, humiliate, um, just absolutely fucking subjugate every single person in his sphere of, of possible influence. Like, it is the easiest call in the world to say that that dude was going to be abusive in every single way he possibly could be abusive, because he's a fucking abuser. And so that means I have to take training, because now I can't say things like, 
I don't know. I, I say so many bad... I mean, you know me. So, so and yes. My, and my filterless brain. So here's the thing. It's like, I've, you know, like, I've worked as a manager. I've worked in an office that had an, like, by virtue of what we were doing, was sexual in nature. Yeah. And, like, I have definitely said some really inappropriate shit to people. But it's always, like not designed to make them feel uncomfortable or, like, suggestive. It's just funny. It's a joke. And if anyone ever was, like, if anyone had ever said, you know, like, that makes me uncomfortable or responded poorly to it, like, I would fucking apologize immediately. But the problem with that... fire them. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, problem like, with that is because for a lot of people, approaching people like that is too intimidating, uh -huh. so then they feel abused and harassed, and so on and so forth. Like, I said, like yesterday, prime example, somehow we were talking about Tim Tebow, and I said, you know, beyond the, the Jesus stuff, I thought he was really, really fucking sexy, and I would do him in a heartbeat. And we kept going on, and you know, I go on and on, to eventually where I say, yeah, I want to sit on his face. Uh-huh. And I said this loudly because that's who because I am. Because you're fucking loud, yeah. Yeah. And um, I guess that can be construed as harassment, but to only me. Only by pussies. To me, <laughs> to me, it's only a joke, so. No, I mean, like, but, but, well, and here's the thing is that I think a lot of it has to do with context and with you know, with what your relationship is with the people. Like, I would never say something provocative or, you know, like, or, like, borderline with someone I didn't know very well. But the problem is because uh, you've, you've open seen office the office, we're, yeah. not, we're in an office, open yeah. office space, and, you know, Lord knows what people hear from me. Like, I know I've said really awful things. So. And I mean, like, yeah, you're right. That can be construed as harassment, but I, and, you know, like, but that's the kind of thing that really can get sh and should get resolved with, you know, like, a, you know, someone going to HR and saying, hey, this happened, and having HR email the person who is offensive and say, hey, can you cool it a little bit? And if this continues, then it's going to be a problem. That's different than, you know, inviting people up to your hotel room and demanding that they give you a massage or... I think I'm gonna I'm gonna be in Portland next weekend, so maybe I'll do that. You know, you're gonna do do some out call. <laughs> I guess I guess you wouldn't be doing the out call. You would be having <laughs> the in call. Uh, it's <laughs> don't get escorts. Just go on Tinder or Grinder or fucking Bear Honey Pot or whatever the fuck it is now. Bear Honey Pot. <laughs> Oh my god. Scruff. It's Scruff still around? Scruff's still around, right? Scruff's still around, yeah. So, okay. One of the things that I did, uh, like, before the summer started, mm -hmm. was I, uh, I, I, long ago, said long ago, I told myself I'd never, like, be so shallow and just have a headless torso shot on any hookup site. But, before the summer, I said, fuck it. Let's just see what happens. And oh my god. You got a lot? Oh my god. Uh, yeah, so... Not all has been good, though. 
Because yeah. I will relay to you, this happened about a month ago. I have- all right. So so before you get into that, like a rough estimate, in you know, like rounded to the nearest dozen, how many how many dudes took advantage of your headless torso? What do you mean, like wh- how many hookups did up? you get? About seven. With seven different dudes. Yeah. Yeah. Any any uh, repeats or just no all one nights all one nighters. Yeah, what? none of none of them were, were particularly using grinder, good. Or was it something a scruff? Scruff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, none of them were particularly good, but like this one was just like so fucking awful. So this guy comes comes to my place. He is reeking of pot smell, and you know, like I don't care. just just to be one hundred percent clear about this. This was not me. <laughs> no, it wasn't Brendan. <laughs> Cause I I would I would hope you you're a better lay than this. Huh? I would hope. It just depends. Um, if I was really stoned, probably not. So he so he comes to my place and he's so he's working a pot and I don't smoke pot. I don't particularly like it, but I can be around it. You know, I'm totally fine with it. And hell, you know, like for a while I was taking Metro all the time, so of course I smelled it everywhere. There's also like there's. Like, it's like, sort of like it's actually sort of like cigarettes, where there's like certain brands of cigarettes don't reek as bad, but if someone has been smoking fucking GPCs, like you know, oh yeah, yeah. or like or like other shitty brands, but yeah. like, and and weed's the same way. Like, there's some bad, like lousy smelling fucking weed. So maybe this motherfucker had like was smoking skunk or uh, who knows what. But anyhow, so he was breaking him. But anyhow, so we're making out. Then we go. Well, then we go to um, my bedroom, and we're doing it. And he's just like, oh, oh, oh. And then so I'm like fingering his ass. Like he wants me to be the top. I'm like, okay, fine. I don't like being a top, but I'll do it. You know. So I'm fingering his ass. <laughs> And then, like, next thing you know, I have my fist in there, okay? And so, and well, it's... Hold on, because we just, we need to go back for one second. Now. Okay. How do you go from finger to a fist? Like, it just happened. Like, like, like one, I'm just like, okay, it's not really one, tight, you know? You so lock I'm like, the target? Yeah, <laughs> two, you pay the line. Three, three, you slowly spread the net, and four, you Set catch them in. Um, yeah, I went to the Front 242 show a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Sorry. But, um, anyhow. I just watched that video again, so it's, it's stuck in my head. Yeah, and so, like, I'm like, okay, so after the first finger, so I'm like, okay, the second finger, I'm like, okay, it's still real. Next thing I know, I have my, th- I have three fingers in, and I'm... So is it, like, this is not going to really help our, our audience, but it was it, like, was it, like, the... It was, or was a, it like close fit. No, it was it was it was, it was, it was, it was a, it was a it was alligator mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I remember our fisting class that we went to, and so it was a good class. No, it was a really good class, and um, and this is actually the first time I've actually fisted someone, and I was like. I'm like, you know, this is interesting. You know, like, it's warm. Like, there's this warm, like, pillow around my hand. It was really interesting. Anyhow, so he's moaning. He's groaning. He's, like, totally getting off. And the problem is he's just, like, there's just something about him that I'm just, like, do I really, I don't want to be here like I'm okay. This is cool and all, but 
like, I want my pee-pee sucked. Um, and he's just, like, moaning and groaning and smelling of pot. And at, at a certain point, it just gets to me. I'm like, okay, we're done. I'm just like, you've got to go. Like, I can't take this anymore. And so he's like, well, what, what, what can I do? Like, I was getting off. I'm like, yeah, you were getting off. And I'm just, like, sort of sitting here. I have my fist in your ass. And it's not really doing much for me. And... And, like, you reek of pot. Like, I, I just can't... I can't do this. And so he leaves. He's all butthurt. And then he sends me a text. Literally butthurt. Literally. I don't know if his butt was that hurt, because it was so goddamn loose. Like, if he farted, it would sound like... <laughs> um, and so... Some, some dust bunnies. <laughs> and he just sent me a text and, like, you know, we were only going for half an hour, and this is just unacceptable. I wanted a longer play session. I was like, whatever. I don't care. Go away. So anyhow. So ever since then, until the next day, I'm on the, I'm on the train coming to work, and I smell that whiff of pot, and the first thing I think of is, oh my god, bad sex. And so ever since that day, each time I smell Aww. pot, I just think really bad sex. You're you're like the you're like the sex and drugs version of Marcel Proust. <laughs> and then it was that I smelled the indica, and it, it sent me hurtling backwards, backwards to when I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've never actually read Remembrance of Things Past. That's like it's about the extent of what I know about it. Is that it starts with the Madeline? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've read Swan's Way. Just the first part. So, anyhow, so that's what I've been up to. Uh, I've been watching a lot of TV. Yes. That's pretty much what I've been up to. <laughs> and we've had some great TV. Fuck yeah, we have. Um, so, yeah, just to get it out of the way first, because, like, this is sort of what I want to, what I want to do with the show anyway, which is Twin Peaks The Return just needs to be... Like, fucking boxed up and put on the untouchable, like, TV's never going to be this good again. No, like, it is. It's, I mean, it's it's almost unfair to compare it to any other TV shows because it's so unlike anything else. And if it's, like, if it's the thing, it's not for everyone, but if it if it's, like, your kind of thing, it's absolutely, like, unassailably the best thing ever. Now... I just want to say, while Twin Peaks The Return was airing, mm -hmm. neither Brendan nor I talked about it with one another. And, it and we independently came to the conclusion that this was the best thing ever put on television. Almost everyone I know who watched the show all the way through yeah. kind of felt that way. Where it's just like, holy shit. Like, again, even if it's like, because like, there's no way that you're going to... You could predict what was going to happen on it. It was mm -hmm. absolutely unpredictable, um, and the ending. Holy shit! Holy shit! <laughs> I mean, like, literally, like, like, we don't want to. I don't actually don't want to go too much into it because I know there's a lot of people who still haven't caught up with it. But yeah. like, watching watching it as it was as it was unfolding was probably like the most intense t 
TV experience that I've that I've ever had. Like, I get you know, like I flip about a lot of shows. Like, there's a lot of great TV, especially right now. There's a, there's a ton of great yes. stuff that is just like next level amazing. Mm-hmm. But nothing comes close to Twin Peaks. Like, it's just again, like you just like I never expected to see anything anything like that. Even having followed Lynch for a long time. And we, we rewatched cause faith had never seen it. So we rewatched, uh, inland empire and she fell asleep mm-hmm. and I wish I'd fallen asleep. Cause like, even though I liked it in the theater, yeah. it's, it's not that good. What's interesting about it is that you can see a lot of the DNA for, for the return in it. And the return is just so much better. It's so much better constructed. So what I've been telling people who have never seen anything twin peaks before mm-hmm. And who want to watch The Return, I've been telling them, watch the first season of Twin Peaks. Uh, Read the wiki about the second season. (laughs) Or watch the first eight episodes. Watch the finale. You have to watch the finale. Because that gets into the red rooms, the waiting room stuff, the red room stuff. You actually kind of need, there's a lot of stuff, because there's a lot of the major Briggs stuff is is kind of important, yeah. and all that is in, like, the worst part of season two. Yeah, just, so read the wiki about season two, <laughs> but you have to watch, uh, you have to watch the finale, because when you get the visuals, then you understand how this, the return starts, and you have, and you to, have watch to watch Firewalk, Firewalk with, me. with Me. Yeah. Cause Which you should anyway, because it's really good. I hadn't watched it until I had, until the show finished, and then I rewatched the show, but and so I ended up watching a firewalk. I was actually watching it at my desk here. I haven't seen, I haven't seen the um, the extended uh, mm. or not extended because it's not actually cut into the movie. But there's a bunch of um, deleted scenes. But back in high school, um, just to tell you what kind of nerd I am, uh, I found on like the whatever the screenplay repository of the early internet days was, mm-hmm. it was like mid nineties. And so I found like the like the unproduced screenplays or whatever, and I found, downloaded, and printed out uh, the like two hundred and fifty page uh, Firewalk with Me uh, script that w- that was the original cut that Lynch had put together. That was like five and a half hours long. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had a lot of extra Philip Jeffries stuff, a lot of um, a lot of the uh, you know like a lot more Chris Isaac. Uh, with the sheriff stuff, like just a ton of ton of things. Yeah. Um, so I was like super into like the extended version of that, of that movie. And that's basically what the return is. Like the return is more so than I think any other, any other Lynch film. Um, it's close to firewalk with me in terms of, in terms of how it's structured and what the tone is. Cause the tonal shifts are nuts on both the show and the movie. What they need to do during the holiday season is screen all 18 hours consecutively mm-hmm. just so it gets an Oscar. Because it needs an Oscar. Like, it, no, But it can't because it didn't premiere in theaters, right? Or did they change that requirement now? I'm... So the requirement used to be that it had that it couldn't play on TV or anywhere or any other broadcast medium before it had a week engagement yeah. in Los Angeles or New York during during the year like that that it had to do we'll look into that but i mean and it's, it is, there's it is but just, there's zero chance it's going to win any awards because the it's not the kind of show that wins awards it's the kind of show that people will talk about for decades to come 
if if Tom humanity, McLaughlin if has humanity to get some stolen. sort of Emmy though. Sorry, sorry, every, like, all I can think and all I've been able to think for, like, the last, like, month, every time I think of Kyle McLaughlin is, what is this, kindergarten? (laughs) (laughs) Which is, like, one of my favorite scenes in the whole thing, and, like, like, this is, like, one of the only spoilers I'll give, like, so, so Cooper, um, uh, Kyle McLaughlin is playing, uh, basically three different characters, right, over the course of the, over the course of the series, there's four well, oh, yeah. If you want to, yeah. If you want to count that other one, so yeah. But but essentially, essentially, for most of the series, he like starts off as Cooper in the Black Lodge. Yeah. Uh, or actually, in the White Lodge, but the Red Room, the waiting room, it's sort of a purgatory. He's in, the, but he's in the White Lodge. No, the what he is because the because the fireman says it's in our house now, and he's talking about the White Lodge. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> There's so 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 one of the things that's great about Twin Peaks is like we could just we, we could, could endless, yeah. endlessly debate what is happening in any scene because it's totally fucking open to interpretation, but it's also like very it seems very concrete. Um, it never feels like it's cheating or doing something like shitty. Even the one complaint I ever had about the series about the the show uh, when it was on was like there was one episode the one where Audrey first shows up and I was like what the fuck is this. And then, and then the next just, episode, the next episode, like, is like, oh, yes. <laughs> but that was the only time where I was like, I don't like what they did with this. And then I was like, wait a minute. It no, this is so much so good. No, it is. <laughs> but going back to that. So, uh-huh. so the bet, like the scene that I could, with Kyle McLaughlin that I can't get out of my head or sequence is that McLaughlin, one of the characters McLaughlin is playing is, uh, the Dale Cooper doppelganger that shows up at the very end of Twin Peaks. Doppelcoop. Um, who uh, who comes out and is basically Cooper possessed by Bob, and he's made up so he's extra dusky looking. He just looks Very dirty, leathery. He's all yeah, he's all dressed in black leather. Um, his hair's kind of long, and he has these like just like black pitch black eyes. Yeah, and his his affect is just this totally like flat menace, and it's really great. But he ends up going to uh, he's he's chasing after this dude. And he goes to the the guy is like has uh, has gone to like his gang hideout to you know to to try and be safe from uh, evil Cooper or Booper as he is sometimes known. Booper, bad Cooper, or Mister C. I always I, I just said Doppelcoop. <laughs> so there's a, a, a anyway. So he goes. To, so he goes to this gang hideout that's in that's in like an industrial warehouse, and it's a bunch of bunch of ne'er do wells led by um, Derek Mira, who is a uh, he's a, he played Jason in one of the Fri- later Friday movies, but he's a uh, he has alopecia, so he's very distinctive looking. Um, he's like he's very pale, he's hairless, um, but he's like ripped as fuck, and you know like and they, you know, he comes up and they're and they're all they're all sitting there looking tough and you know protecting their dude and. They ask him, you know, they're like, what do you want? He says he wants the guy. He's like, well, you know, we take care of our own. The only way is there's only one way uh, to do this. You have to beat me in an arm wrestling competition. (laughs) So he has to arm wrestle Derek Mira for control of the gang. And if he loses, he has to be in the gang. (laughs) It's like, it's the weirdest fucking, like, (laughs) most hilarious but also horrifying thing sequence and oh it's so good it's so good that show is so great 
Um, Jimmy's watched it twice. I've watched it twice. I'm we're Faith and I are getting ready to do our rewatch too because it's yeah it's just like I said it's like it's it's next level. Did you ever? Did you I ever just end have up to say I am the arm <laughs> and I sound like this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like this is not even getting into like break his arm, break his arm. <laughs> yeah, I was, this isn't even getting into like Sorry. mini mini Vin Diesel hitman, um, Jim Belushi, who is fucking so phenomenal, good. like so good. Like even Michael Sarah as uh, oh Michael Sarah's got Wally Brando as Wally Brando. Oh, so good. Oh my god. Like, Hello, mother, father. <laughs> so great. Everything about this show just it made me it made me smile so much, and then it brought me to tears towards the end. Because um, obviously, and it's fu- and there's sequences in it that are like the most terrifying shit you've ever seen. Yes, that whole last episode, like I was like I was just like I, I was sore afterwards from how tense yeah, up I was. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever do, did you ever end up doing the uh, trying to trying to find one of the videos that's both that's episode seventeen and eighteen either side by side or superimposed over each other? No. So that's one of the it's theories. It's one of the theories. It's probably not true, but it's interesting. Okay. So it's interesting to watch, especially because there's also there is superimposition in episode seventeen where Cooper's face appears on the yeah yeah. It's anyway. <laughs> Best I, show of all time. I just want to know what year is it at the at, in episode eighteen? <laughs> I'm not quite sure, and I don't think anyone is quite sure. I don't think anyone's quite sure either. And it's also like it's interesting because it like ev- almost everyone I feel who who like went the distance with the series has the same feeling, which is like either that's a very satisfying conclusion. At the end, or it's a great jumping off point yeah. for the next for for uh, for another series. Which, God, like either way, I'm fine. Yeah, like because yeah, like like I mean, Lynch like just and Frost like like Mark Frost kind of gets short shrift just because Lynch's fingerprints are mm-hmm. so fucking clear on the on the show. But I mean, a lot of the mythology and background stuff that is a little bit more concrete that probably wouldn't work as well if it wasn't there. Like Lynch's Lynch's like sort of like weird flights of fancy wouldn't work as well if it wasn't grounded in Frost's kind of very specific plotting. And the best the best thing that happened was that Lynch directed all eighteen episodes. Unlike season two, where he just basically Lynch well, Lynch fucked off during season two. Yeah. He went he he went and did Wild at Heart. Well, yeah. And he wasn't interested in doing anything that they needed um uh a network approval for yeah and that was i mean that's the thing is that this this was a show where initially he had pulled out of it um and then showtime was like no we're not making this without you what do you need and he said i need to do this and i need this budget and they just gave it to him which i have no idea if that was a profitable decision for showtime it wasn't it's i've heard i've heard varying things because i don't think the budget was super duper high on the show it doesn't look bad, but it's not like it's not like it's a you know it's not fucking uh, Game of Thrones where no. every episode's like a million dollars or anything. No. It was probably it was probably a fifteen fifteen million dollar series, twenty yeah. million dollar series. But the viewership was very disappointing from what I heard. So, I mean, but the question is, 
the viewership might have been disappointing, but they also got more initial subscriptions than they'd ever got on anything before. Which makes sense, because Showtime's original series are generally pretty bad. Yeah. Um, so can we yeah. pause for one second? I want to get a new coffee. Okay, we will pause now. Listen to this. Okay, we are back. Um, I think I'll put a musical interlude there. Um, so, we were talking about TV and just how great TV has been. Um, like, and there are a lot... So there are shows that people are surprised that I really like. Like? Yeah. Riverdale. Riverdale's great, though. I could have called you liking Riverdale. Um, but oh. people, when, when I tell people how much I like it, like, they get shocked. They're like, isn't that, like, a teenager show? And it's like, it's, like, the teenager shows nowadays are probably the best shows on TV. So I have to say, um, before Riverdale came back, like, we were just, Faith was, I, I was doing something, uh, I can't remember exactly what, but I came back in, and Faith was watching the show, and, like, after like a minute or two, she was like, "Oh, this is the this is the the Carrie Diaries, the Sex in the City prequel." Mm -hmm. And she's like, "We don't have to watch it." And I'm like, "This isn't bad." And we ended up watching like every episode in over the course of a couple of days. It's really good, uh -huh. but it's also like it's the same people who did Gossip Girl, mm -hmm. and so it's very Gossip Girly, mm -hmm. but like set in 1980s New York. Okay. It was good. Like it was like I like I think I tweeted about it as mm -hmm. as uh, that like it was kind of like cheating on Riverdale with this normcore cousin, <laughs> and it totally it totally is. It's but it's also like a really good teen show. Um, yeah. So yeah. So like yeah, it's weird because even like sort of the the like the genres that you wouldn't usually expect to be very good are just like the the amount of um, sincere effort to assure quality. Uh, that goes into things is pretty surprising now. Yeah. And it's, like, I mean, you have that, you have, like, shows, like, Netflix shows like BoJack Horseman, which is, which is absolutely wonderful. And you just realize, and then you see how awful films are. <laughs> like, I know, I haven't really been one. The only one I saw... I've seen recently. Yeah, what have Mother. you seen recently? So you saw Mother, and you you the, walked out two thirds. Yeah, I've only seen two thirds of it. And you liked it. I and I really liked it. And I was shamed. I had to walk out because there's a lot of handheld handheld cams, and you know, seriously, movie theaters warn us because my fucking ass gets motion sick. And I really should have had a Dramamine before I walked in there. I, yeah. So I've never, the only, I've only had that problem once. Like, I've, Blair Witch was fine. Like, every other handheld movie I think I've, I've ever seen, I haven't had that problem. But I did have it on, um, what was the second Born movie? Uh, Born, I, not Born Supremacy, maybe? Whatever. The, the second Matt mm -hmm. Damon, Jason Bourne movie was shot by Paul Greengrass, who also shot United 93 the same way. 
which I didn't see in the theater. I saw mm-hmm. it on a small screen, so it didn't have the same problem. But like, I tried to watch it in the theater and I couldn't. I I literally like I had to I had to leave because it was making me motion sick because it's just yeah whenever they have handheld cameras there's all that kind of sway natural yeah. sway to it and it's fine if it's a couple of scenes but if it's the entire movie is shot that way it's fucking really annoying no it really is and so like Cloverfield I knew was going to be all handheld but Cloverfield doesn't have that problem Cloverfield like because Cloverfield like even though it's handheld my friend got motion sick in them. So I took a Dramamine beforehand, yeah. and I was okay with. But like Blair Witch Project, I had a problem with a Nine Songs. Blair Witch makes well. I never saw Nine Songs because it looked terrible, but it was. Um, but uh, Blair Witch was actually handheld, sixteen and video cameras blown up. So of course it it, mm-hmm. it is it's it's the real thing. Um, a lot of the other ones are people using, you know, people using steady cams, but moving around, moving the camera around a lot. And there's just a little bit of bob to it that makes it really, you know, uh, like can really fuck with you. So in all the all those other movies, I made it through. Like I got to the end, made it through. Oh, twenty four hour party people was like that too. Hey, um, yeah, I only saw that on small screen too. Yeah. So. I mean, I think I've partially lucked out, but I also usually don't get motion sick, so. So, no, but, yeah, so everything else, like, I've been able to charge charge through towards the end, no problem. Mm-hmm. But in Mother, there's a scene where um, the Javier Bardem's character, he's a poet, he uh, releases What's his a name? book. Uh, him. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, I... Sorry, I, I, I want to tell your tell your mother's story and I'll tell mine. So, um, so he releases a book of poetry to um, widespread acclaim, and his wife Jennifer Jennifer Lawrence, AKA her name Mother. Does uh, it have the exclamation point on it or just? No, I think in the credits she, there's no exclamation point. So she's a uh, like nine months. Ooh, excuse me. She's nine months pregnant, uh-huh. um, and so she wants this little soiree between her and her hubby. You know, she makes a nice dinner. All of a sudden, these fans start crashing the house, and they come in, and because uh, him is very egotistical and needy, he needs to have them come in and ruin. Her party, and it just—I think it might crazy. be a religious allegory. Oh no! <laughs> so and the party just goes, and then it gets crazier and crazier, and then I'm just like, okay, hold it in, hold it in, and finally I'm like, fuck, I have to get out of the theater. So I ran towards the bathroom, yacked, and then I thought, you know, should I go back in? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm still feeling really, really awful. So I just left. The th- I just left. So I didn't. So the, the last third of the movie I didn't see, um, which is a shame because I liked it. What, what I'd seen, I really liked. So I was. I had decided not to go see it based on what I'd heard about it mm-hmm. and the fact that I don't really like Aronofsky. Um, but when I had I had drinks with and and watched a part of a Dodger game with Karina. Mm-hmm. A couple weeks ago, and she asked if I'd seen it, and I said, no, I'm probably not going to see it. She's like, I really loved it. And I was like, really? 
And she's like, yeah, it's like a Boonwell film. And, like, as soon as she said that, like, that clicked for me of, like, mm-hmm. oh, actually, I might like that. Um, it is sort of like that, yeah. Yeah, and, like, and... It's a, it's a, it, like, it could go either way. I could, wa- I could wa- end up watching it and, and really hate it, or I could end up watching it and be really into it. Um, because I, I, I love Boonwell, but, mm-hmm. but it's, you have to be in a real specific mood to watch Boonwell. Oh, yeah. oh, God, yeah. So, but now, like, so now I am actually going to see Mother. Mm-hmm. Um, all I've seen recently in the theater is we went and saw It, um, which was bad. Uh, but everyone's, like, coming over it. They're like, like, they, oh, it's so good. Yeah, but they're the same people who are, like, coming over Stranger Things. That's true. And it's, like, and what they're responding to... I mean, like, here's the thing. There's a movie in there that's probably pretty good. Um, there's all... And I actually... I think that the sequel is going to be much better because it's going to supply a lot of stuff. I really love the book that it's based on. Um... Like, I think it's, I genuinely think it's, like, one of the best horror novels that's ever been written, and certainly in the last 30 years, it's, like, way the fuck up there, or 40 years now. <laughs> um, it's it's incredible. Um, but they strip out most of what makes it incredible to make the movie, and they add in all this shit that, A, doesn't make any sense, and B, just, like, kind of looks cheesy. Like, there's a mm-hmm. lot of bad CGI in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, unnecessarily so. And they they strip out most of the character development, which is what makes you care about the kids. Yeah, yeah. What's weird is the kid from Stranger Things is really good in it. Um, the kids are actually all, all fine. Um, their performances are fine. The problems are direction and screenplay. Yeah. Um, and for the love of fucking Christ, stop turning up the volume during musical scenes. Like, like blasting all. This is a problem in Blade Runner too. Um, Which you also did not like. I, yeah, I and I am in the minority. I think of people who saw it. Yeah, that's what. I'm, so what? Oh, Yuko. But Yuko, I am to me the other day and was like, "Hey, I saw Blade Runner." I'm like, "Oh, really? What'd you think?" She's like, "I fucking hated it." I'm like, "Thank you, thank you for someone else who's like who agrees." So I've heard a lot of the positive reviews about it. And um, there are always caveats with their reviews. They said it's too long, way too long. So that so I'm just like okay. Um, so I'm just like on the fence about that. And B, another thing that I heard was like the colors are just really weird in the movie. Like it's odd because like so here's the thing is that it gets it's getting a lot of praise for looking gorgeous, and it does. But it doesn't really look that much like original Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Um, I had sort of talked myself into uh, a few years ago into this thing of like Blade Runner is this flawed, uh, but ultimately like so so influential, you know, flawed like piece of work that's so influential and you know it just is sort of like unassailable. But it's not actually that great a movie. And so in in preparing to watch this one, we rented the final cut, which I'd actually never seen. I'd only seen, you know, like six different versions of the director's cut um, before they, before he did the final cut. And so we rented the final cut 
um, you know, the night before seeing the movie, just to sort of like remind ourselves. Because I saw Blade Runner probably like fifteen or twenty times in in the theater, like during the nineties. Yeah, because it played at every like it was always every, playing. A revi- it was a total midnight movie. Well, and it played at every revival theater. Like it played at the New Beverly a lot. It played at all the different revival theaters that were around LA, and it was usually double featured with something that was also like an LA film noir. A movie which was my jam. So like, yeah. I'd go. I think I think it was double featured with Long Goodbye at one point. Um, with uh, oh, I know yeah. with Chinatown at least a couple of times mm-hmm. I saw it. But so I'd say, so I'd seen it a lot. And and again, you know, like a, like with not watching it for ten years, I was like, yeah, you know, like there's all these there's a, there's some story problems and there's some acting issues in it. It's whatever. Watching it again the night the night before, I was like, fuck no, I'm wrong. This movie's great. It's a great movie. Uh, the original. It's beautiful, and uh-huh. it's actually, like, I mean, like, the the sort of, like, uh, coldness of it really works in its favor. So, you and it's funny you bring up film noir, because another thing that reviewers have said is, all of that is gone. It's interesting because, it, well, I mean, like, so, you know, my, my, my former roommate talked about, you know, it was like, was like, oh, it's, you know, like, film noir, but, like, it's not. Yeah. First of all, it's not dark. Uh-huh. Uh, in terms of the way it looks. Um, it's, you know, like, for a world that is perpetually shrouded, it there's a lot of fucking light coming through. Mm-hmm. Like, the first one's like, first of all, everything takes place at It seems at to take night. place at night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, you, there is, there's the one scene where they're in the Tyrell Pyramid and they have to... You know, dim dim the lights because the sun is out there. But it's still like there's like a shroud. Everything just feels like shadowed. And then in the last half of, of the original, everything is like fucking backlit. Like suit. Like all the light is is like streaming in. Like mm-hmm. it's like it's coming from you know from lights and adver- and the yeah. on screen advertising and all that stuff. But it's still a pretty dark movie. Even after the color correction that they did for Final Cut, this is not. It's a very bright. Like it's brightly lit. During most of it, um, or during parts of it, parts of it are all are still pretty dark, but it's there's just nothing there in the movie. Yeah. It's the worst kind for me. It's like the worst kind of sci-fi. Um, it's re- like what's kind of what's kind of great about the original too um, that I think that is really missing in this one is the original just feels like it's the story about these people and replicants in this particular little little slice. And the rest of the world sort of is enters into it and informs it, but never it's never like these things are world changing for everyone. It was like this thing is world changing for Harrison Ford and Sean Young and the people and the people who are involved. But like the sequel is really about making it a like large scale sci-fi action powerhouse franchise. Like, it sets up what is essentially like a franchise, which will never get made because the movie kind of bombed. Um, but yeah, I don't get, I do not get all the love for it. I actually think it's kind of terrible. <laughs> yeah, so I'm probably, I'm on the fence of watching it. I might end up just waiting till it comes out on VOD. I mean, if you had like honestly like you should if you're going to see it, you should see it in the theater cuz like it like the the set dressing is really pretty. It is re- like it's a it the way that it's the way that it's shot 
and the and the world that they create is pretty. I feel like it would have been a much better movie if they had just done the anime thing and like not made it a sequel to Blade Runner. If it mm. was just like robot, you know, robot mystery number mm. two five seven one. Then maybe I'll watch it tomorrow morning in the six dollar Sunday morning matinee because I I don't think I can. I, it's I, so long. It's so yeah, long. It's almost. It's like it's two hours and forty five minutes with I guess with credits, which are like fifteen minutes long, but. I mean, yeah. Movies are long now. Yeah, and then I don't know, like I don't know how awake I will be tomorrow because I will be heading to game one of the NLCS tonight. Oh, you're going? I am going. I didn't know that. Um, Who are you going with? I'm going with my friend Catherine. Uh, our friend Ben uh, got tickets from his work at Sony. And so that's what I was going to ask. He was unable to go, so uh, it's me and Catherine, and so we're going to be sitting in the third base side of the loge nice. section. So there's no sun issues whatsoever, and um, it's the fucking NLCS. Have Doctors you, you, Cubs? Well, yeah. I mean, you cover them, so you've been doing an NLCS game oh, before. Yeah. So, um. But um, I was going to say, just, yeah, maybe take an Uber. <laughs> yeah, no, so our plan is we're actually going to, like, um, we're going to uh, take the Gold Line to Union Station, take the Dodger, Dodger Stadium Express. Oh, cool. Because uh, I did that a couple weeks ago. I went to a Dodger game a couple weeks ago, did the Dodger Stadium Express from um, from Harbor Gateway. I've only been to one game this season. And it was... Uh, it was very civilized. I, I was I was really happy with it. Um, yeah, I only like that for that game I went to a couple of weeks ago was the first game I had been at since April the fourth of two thousand fourteen. Yeah, that was the Dodgers home opener against the Giants, where Hyunjin Ryu, my uh, my peoples, he got shelled for eight runs in two innings. Whew. Yeah, dickhead. He's not on the roster for the NLCS, so good for him. Although Corey Seager is not on the roster for the NLCS, <clears throat> so really, yeah, his back. Um, so Charlie Culberson is on there. Speaking of uh, speaking of uh, Dodger pitchers uh, or former Dodger pitchers, it was a little it was a little sad to watch Grinky in the NLDS. No, it wasn't. He had a choice. He did. That motherfucker took the money. And he, he ran. Have. I mean, I think it was probably more about not being second banana on the team than the, than the money. Because the Dodgers pretty much matched the money, right? It was like, it was like a couple million difference yeah. on an over $100 million contract. Actually, no. Basically, um, it came down to contract years, which Andrew Freeman was not going to do. Um. And so yeah, he yeah he basically he took the money, which good for him. But you know what? Well, yeah, I mean it would be good for like literally. I'd be good for him. I would say good for him if it was literally any team except for fucking Arizona, which is the worst team in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. They're like I hate that team so much. But it was. But I feel. But I still love Grinky. Like I, I really do. I think he's. I think he's a great pitcher, and he is so fucking like weird. I love him. Mm. Mm. Um, I just like how this uh the this uh this playoffs has been like the rebirth of Yasiel Puig. Yeah, which is fucking wonderful. Right, and like 
And another thing that's really great is now he's comfortable with his English, so he's doing interviews in English now. Yeah. And I just find that to be really remarkable. So, I know most people hate him. Um, I don't give a shit. I love... Puig is, Puig is the best. Puig is great. He's just like this... Oh, this just huge man-child, and just... He's just taking everything in, which is great. So... I think we've uh, gone on long enough in our return. Oh, did we? Yeah. What we else can, are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about music, but... Uh, I mean, it's old cooter music, as I described it. Because I am going to see the re- the reunion of Stabbing Westward. <laughs> that's, a, that's at Cold Waves, yeah? Yeah, at Cold Waves. So I have Cold Waves LA, we should... Yeah, specify. so I have tickets to that. So I'll finally get to see Kanga live. Yeah! Um, I'll see uh, Meat Beat Manifesto. Well, I've seen Frontline Assembly before, but it's always good to see them. You know, a friend of mine, uh, a friend of mine was like, "I want to see Meat Beat, but I don't want to pay like sixty dollars for it." And I'm like, "Did you see the rest of that lineup?" MC Nine Hundred Foot Jesus. Yeah, it's a, no, it's like it's, it's fucking nuts. It's, it's an great. incredible lineup, yeah. and I just, I uh, yeah. So I just I bought the two day pass because I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to both nights. I want to. I mean, or Revco. I mean, fucking hell! That was the thing. Is like, yeah, it's like it's 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 an incredible lineup. Yeah, it's just like, and it's gonna much like the Front Two Forty Two show I went to a couple uh, several weeks ago. It's gonna be filled with old people. Those are the best. You didn't go see Pig though, right? You, you, I didn't you, see Pig. No, but it was like you should have. Yeah, you should have gone the year before. I can't remember what the I can't remember what the deal was, but you should have gone last year. Um, when it was, it was, uh, Pig, uh, it was Enesh, um, uh, I can't remember who the, uh, it was another, like, some other unrelated band, but then Enesh, and then, um, Pig, but that basically meant, ki- like, good period came after Yeah, yeah. Like, best period came yes. after <laughs> And so they did, like, most of their set was came after Like, Joint Jezebel, and yeah. Your Son of a Gun, and shit like yeah. that, yeah. Both of which they played. Man, but didn't they t- they toured together this time mm-hmm. around too? They did, but the but I think that I think the the show this time was not quite as okay. as so it was more pig oriented. I think so, but pig are fucking good. Yes, like the last it was a really was it was a good. really good show, and it was a complex. So you know, like R.I.P. Complex. Yes, that's really sad. It's really fucking annoying to to be honest, because like it we moved when we moved, like that was one of the you know, one of the appeals to me was like, fuck, like, if I, if I want to, I can just, like, if I want to go to a show, I don't have to deal with driving and fucking doing all this other stuff that is always what makes me not want to go to a show. I can walk there. Mm. It's walking distance from my house. And my friend owns it. It's a fucking cool venue. Yeah. Great sound, all that stuff. Like, yeah, the city of Glendale kind of fucked up. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Um, is there any good new music that you've been listening to? You know, uh, I haven't really been listening to a whole bunch of stuff recently because I've just been I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. Really, what have you been um, listening to? Two dope queens. Yeah. I've really liked um, one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, still processing with uh, Wesley Morris of the New York Times. Oh yeah, and, yeah. I really. Well, Wesley, Wesley Jen, Jenna Wortham. Well, Wesley Morris used to be at Grantland too. At Grantland, yeah. he was great. Uh, at Grantland. He won. He won a Pulitzer at the Globe. 
Boston Globe for criticism. So, no, he's really good. So, like, I really like that podcast. Um, Are you listening to Molly Lambert's new, oh, she has new a podcast? New one? It's, so, it's like, it's an occasional one. It's called uh, Molly's Sleazy Friends, which is <laughs> a, a great 90s LA reference. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the first one was with Karina. It was it was her and Karina talking about the Angeline expose. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's another. There's a couple other ones. One with her brother. Um, I think that's it so far. Okay. There were. I think there have been three, and I can't remember what the other one was. But they're they're sort of they're more sporadic than North Mollywood was. Um, I really miss North Mollywood because like. <laughs> I never could really get too much into North Mollywood. I listen to it depends it quite on a it bit. depends on which it depends on which episodes there are because like if it's something that it, like and sometimes it's it's the, the nine hundred two one zero episode with Karina that I was, was great. really yeah. good. That one's great. Um, the ones with um, so, some of the ones where they where they don't really have a strong um, subject that they're talking about, like where they just kind of end up rambling, end up being the best ones. Which you know we can attest that oh, yeah. it just happens. Yeah, sometimes. Um, but yeah, what else? Podcast wise, um, and Tiger Belly, um, Bobby Lee's podcast with his girlfriend, his check, Filipina girlfriend. And check that one it's out. It's very rambly. It's very inappropriate. Well, he's very inappropriate. So, did you listen to? Do you have? Do you have Audible? Did you have you listened to? I don't have Audible no. Because there's the the John Ronson, um, uh, Butterfly Effect mm-hmm. uh, podcast, which I think is only on Audible now, but will be on other ones uh i think in either november or december is really it's a really good uh series so let's see as for music that i've been listening to let me see because i do use last.fm oh also fucking going circling back to twin peaks for a second Uh the music oh my god the nine inch nails the nine inch nails and zz top well i mean zz top weren't actually there but that zz top sequence that was hilarious it's so good and no like like all the music were on twice yeah um uh hudson mohawk was on yeah a bunch of like i mean like there was some it was really really good yeah julie cruz got half a song and i guess was really pissed off about it (laughs) she should be i'm pissed off for her uh, what have I been listening to Janet Jackson? Oh, did you hear the new Breeder song? Yes, I did. What do you think? It's okay. Wait in the car? Yeah. yeah it's okay. It's, it's, it just sounds like the Breeders. Yeah. So it makes... I'm just happy that that album is finally fucking coming out, because it's been... We've been waiting for, like, three or four years there's since a new, they announced it. There's a new Ariel, uh, album, sort of shoegazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of dream poppy that, uh, some of the shit that, um, Greg Araki likes. Yeah. Because that was, uh, in, he used that sort of soundtrack with a Kaboom a lot. Um. So some Fad Gadget on there. Yeah, Fad Gadget. There's a new Tricky album out, which How is isn't, it? it isn't too good. But there is a cover of Hole's Doll Parts on it which is interesting uh there's a new ritual howls ep that's okay there's um, some oh you know what actually speaking of going back to tv for a second because we didn't talk about my other favorite show which is ending today which is halt and catch fire oh Um, yeah which i I don't know if you i don't think you've watched i finished season one you did so i'm trying to gear myself into season two it gets i i feel like season two uh, i really liked season one I feel mm-hmm. like season two is where it's like really takes off and okay. like the rest of the show. I mean, 
it does this thing that no other show that I that I've watched mm-hmm. has done as successfully, which is like really invest you completely in a story that doesn't have a lot of extra bells and whistles. Like it's just a really, really good um you know, sort of like drama with a tech background. I, I kind of, I describe it a lot as like the post-punk madman without, mm-hmm. without the gender issues. <laughs> so the news just broke that uh, Harvey Weinstein has been thrown out of the motion picture Academy. Uh, that was like a week too late. I mean, and honestly, like, so, so here's the thing, honestly, like fuck them. Fuck everyone who's like, I'm shocked, shocked yeah. to find out there was gambling going on in this. Because, like, again, like, reading that, I hadn't known any, like, most of the stories. I mean, I'd heard, like, you know, like, just the same way you hear about um, anyone in the in the film business having, you know, like, like behaving sort of badly. Like, I'd heard, you know, like, things about it. Like, like reading that Biskin book, it's just, like, it's so fucking far beyond anything that's okay. Like, he's assault, mm-hmm. like he was, like, assaulting people. Yeah. Like, straight up, like, in public. Not just, you know, not just, like, yelling at them, not just being a dick, like, assaulting them. Like, fucking putting his hands on them without them. My favorite, one of my favorite things in the book, it happens really early on, is, like, um, they buy Mr. and Mrs. Bridge from Merchant Ivory and just, like, are so insulting to Ishmael Merchant that he challenges both Bob and Harvey to a fist fight, like, outside. <laughs> and he goes, he, like, he breaks the, like, he breaks their, one of their, like, glass windows uh-huh. and, like, walks outside and just fucking waits for them. <laughs> and they don't That's come, awesome. and they don't come out. <laughs> like, yeah, just, so like, awesome. just, like, Ishmael Merchant, like, like, wanting to fucking fight both of the Weinsteins is pretty great. So... Anyhow, so I think we'll uh, just end this podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I am still at Jimmy Bramlett. He is at Walrus Master. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow us on Facebook at the the B and J Podcast. Uh, we're still there. I think we're still on iTunes. I don't know. Um, I'll work on that. I'll probably work on getting us on Stitcher. Um, when are we doing this again? Well, not next week. What is next week? No, oh, you're you're out of town. I'm in Portland. Um, What's going on? Why are you going up to Oregon so much? Um, <laughs> well, no. Uh, so each time I've been like through Portland, uh-huh. I've only just been through you're it. I've never in, stopped, yeah. and people are all upset that oh, you don't, you never stay. So I'm like, Portland okay. sucks. That's why. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm so I'm like I'm just doing this quick weekend trip. So just. So now they can't yeah, be. Mad it's cheap, too. Flying to, flying there is cheap. Yeah, it's we flew cheap. to. Uh, we got. We went to to Idaho, mm-hmm. and like our round trip tickets to to Spokane were under two hundred dollars. Oh wow! Um, which is yeah. fucking insane. Like that. I mean, that's why we ended up flying instead of driving. Yeah. Right now, I'm planning a trip to Berlin in March. Oh wow! Um. So for fetish ball. <laughs> No, but um, are you sure? I don't know. I think I think it's around then. We'll see. I'll have to look that up. Um, yeah, no. And so, like, I'm just I'm thinking, can I fly international on coach? You know, like, how comfortable is it? Because the last time I flew internationally was 1991. Mm-hmm. So I think I've changed a little bit <laughs> since I was 12 years old. Um, yeah, so I'm just thinking about that because it's so much cheaper going coach. And it's, then... I mean, the truth, but the, also remember the truth of the matter is, is that it's basically two 
flights across the U.S. It's I mean, in terms of length. Yeah, like you're flying, you're flying to, you're flying to New York or Newark or wherever, and then you're flying to Heathrow. Europe. It's LAX to Heathrow. LAX to Heathrow. Whoa. Then yeah, because uh, one of the flights I'm looking at uh, the combination of Virgin Atlantic and British Airways. Mm-hmm. It goes from uh, yeah LAX to Heathrow nonstop. And then Heathrow to uh, Berlin. And so that one is about 700 right now. But I'm but this little app that I'm on says the prices should come down to about $500. So I'm going to wait for that. The first time I flew to Europe was uh, 94, 95, I think. And um, I was really excited because on international flights at that point, you could smoke. And so I bought a pack of cigarettes and just smoked it throughout the entire flight. It was like a 13-hour thir- <laughs> flight or something. And I like sm- just like sm- yeah. smoked all the way there and back. Um, yeah, so I'm planning, I'm planning that for March. Like, hotel rooms there are so fucking cheap in Berlin. Like, I can get a junior suite on, in the middle of the Gaberhood um, at a nice hotel for like 800 US for a week. Nice. Yeah, so... Um, anyhow, so when, as for when we're doing this next, we can do this in two weeks. Okay. I know you weren't thrilled about the drive. <laughs> well, now that I know where it is, because I ended up, like, down in Santa Monica. I, so, I have this thing where I can't use Google Maps. I just don't. I mean, I can I can use it to, to find my way to a place, but mm-hmm. I can't use the driving directions because they drive me fucking nuts. <laughs> and so, I stupidly, instead of selecting just take me from this place to this place chose navigation Mm. and it was a fucking nightmare i got because because like i i thought i knew where i was going and then ended up driving like to the beach and back and that's that's why i was like 20 minutes late anyway um uh so um so we might we'll we'll figure it out we'll either do it here or at your place so i guess we'll um it'll be a return our return and uh, hopefully we'll be better than our first time around. Um, so, because of everything that's going on in the world, I will close this podcast out with an old song from the early to mid-90s from a little band called Pop Will Eat Itself. This is Ich bin ein Ausländer. Uh, have, a good, have a good safe couple weeks. Bye!